0: And onto the page, get it out of your head And onto the page, get it out of
1: your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. And joining me today as podcast producer is a new guy. It's Ryan mcmammon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd screw that up. McManaman. Yeah. Ryan Mc... <laughs> McManaman. Anyway, Ryan's here. He's off mic and, and he's annoyed already. And um, he is a, a, a friend and um, he shares the studio with me and with Matt, M- Matt Belknap. And I roped him into producing tonight. He's going to be off mic. Um, we have an amazing guest today, TJ Miller. Hello, TJ Miller. Oh
0: my gosh, it's actually pronounced McMinnon Eller. McMinnon Eller.
1: And TJ is an actor and a producer and a writer. Is that is that how I should
0: Yeah, describe I mean I'm you? I'm a comedian who sort of will do any medium, any any part of any of the steps in the process <laughs> of creating and uh distributing comedy.
1: If anybody goes to TJ's IMDB page Be prepared to read a lot because here's just a couple of things that he's been in. Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. You're really funny, by the way. Uh, Rock of Ages, Our Idiot Brother. Really, really funny. Um, Let's see, what else here? Uh, Gulliver's Travels, Yogi Bear. Unstoppable, Get Him to the Greek. How to Train Your Dragon, She's Out of My League. And so much more. Oh, Cloverfield, jeez. Um, What else am I missing? I know that there was a... Did I...
0: Um, get, uh, I don't know. Get oh into man. the Greek. Yeah. Yogi Bear 3D.
1: Oh, Yogi Bear 3D. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then... I don't
0: know why you're laughing. At...
1: Oh, sorry. And then... Uh, yeah, my, my girls, by the way, have a crush on you because do of Gulliver's
0: Travels. Do you usually laugh at people's no, compliments I, on your podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, <laughs> because you're doing a podcast. Is this a free podcast, it by the was, way? Yeah. Hmm. It was so... <laughs> Well. <laughs> it was so
1: entertaining, Yogi Bear 3D, that, that it makes me laugh in a delightful way. I guess, yeah. I way. could see
0: because, you know, a lot of people say when they, after they see Yogi Bear 3D, they'll find themselves later on little moments of joy. Right. They'll express them. They'll sort of slip out of their, their mouth. You yeah. know, they'll be at a funeral or something. They'll go. right just thinking of ranger jones trying to drive that armadillo see
1: it makes it makes people happy and that's what tj miller does he also it produced and wrote successful alcoholics which was a short and it was at sundance in 2010 right
0: yeah and then i had another short i'm having a difficult time killing my parents at sundance (laughs) in 2011 i suppose it was wow and then have been rejected from Sundance in 2012 and 2013. So things are going on the upswing.
1: <laughs> Hello! But but Successful Alcoholics was there at over 30 other festivals. What about I'm having a hard time, difficult time we, oh killing yeah, my parents?
0: It won, it won, I won Best Comedy Short at the New Hampshire Film Festival both years in a row. And that also made the rounds and did... A whole bunch of different uh, places. Yeah, and those are those are two... Those shorts sort of best exemplify the kind of comedy mm-hmm. that I like to write and, and be in. And I just call it comedy of substance. No pun intended when it comes to the Successful Alcoholics short. But, um, <laughs> you know, just that it's sort of comedy that has a little bit more weight to it at times. And that's a very difficult uh, line to toe because you sort of have to be you have to be funny both just as you know because it's a comedy and you also have to use the comedy to release the tension from the dramatic moments that you built and you have to figure out how to transition into those dramatic moments in a way that doesn't seem forced so it's really tough i mean that's why there's not a lot of auteurs who it's like woody allen is really successful at that and albert brooks and
1: so is that is that why you're writing and, and producing now? Because you want to get to the, sort of the substantial kind of of comedy?
0: I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think just because that's the comedy that's most interesting to me, and I think um, it's also sort of what I'm. That's more my sensibility. That's what I. That's the stuff that I like. Um, it's also because you know in Hollywood. There's you're, everything's there's, it's such an external locus of control. So much is out of your control that the any sort of bit of leverage or control that you can get uh, creatively, which you know the greatest of that would be to write the script in the first place mm-hmm. and sort of have the idea have originated with you, um, is is priceless. It's invaluable, and so that you know I think that's a big part of. Sometimes I find myself working way harder than most people can even understand. You know, they'll sort of say, like, what are you doing? Why would you be spending money on this, you know, web series and, and working so hard to write and go over notes and be involved in post-production when you're already on a Fox television show that is, you know, pays the bills just fine. And, and it's because... A, I love to do it, and B, you know, I want to get better and better at that side of it, um, so that I can have more and more control, and eventually just be making. Because we're also we we, and in fact, we are on a, a, the very medium that uh, is the definition of this fact. But we're getting uh, to a point where media will be able to be self-distributed to huge, huge, huge audiences. So, you know, of the many thousands of people that listen to this, you know, we are creating it and then directly distributing it to them and by cutting out the middleman, which in the case of film would be the theaters and the studios that are uh, doing the P&A and the marketing, You know, now with social media, not only can you create something and distribute it directly to the consumer, you can also promote it quite effectively. In fact, sometimes more effectively than the traditional forms of advertising. So and promotion.
1: So, you know, it's. It's so cool that you're, you're thinking ahead with all of this.
0: Yeah, because what I'd like to do, I guess, I didn't even have a point to that. I just tried to use the word medium as many times it as I could. It was can. really uh, good. It was riveting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, what I want to do eventually is make a movie every year that I wrote and sort of produced with probably a boutique studio. Uh, Or private investors, and then distribute that sort of like Netflix, you know, and then maybe have a short theatrical run that's sort of more promotional than it is to make profits in major cities and art house theaters I'd probably go there and perform stand up or make an event out of it I, I always thought it would be funny to do a premiere in every city for like a movie <laughs> just keep pretending like it's the world premiere oh
1: it's the premiere I know the world
0: premiere in Philadelphia um <laughs> uh, and um, I
1: think some people do that actually, yeah,
0: yeah. oh absolutely <laughs> if, if people that make movies will do anything they can to try and get people to watch them but and rightfully, so, it takes a lot of energy to make a film um, but yeah and 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 then I would be able to distribute that, like sell it to Netflix. And, you know, if you made a movie, it's getting cheaper and cheaper to make films also. So I think there will be a point, and I'm not sure when, I sort of have gauged it to be in about six years, five to six years, there'll sort of be a tipping point where it becomes to make a movie that looks really great and is a really, really big movie, you can do that for about a million dollars or seven, let's just say conservatively, a million dollars. And then... I think you'd be able to sell it and maybe make theatrical profits that even were in the 1.5 million range then with that $500,000 profit you can pair with a another studio and make another million dollar movie and then just do that until one of the movies is your your great film that you made in your life and then hopefully that's commercially successful enough to then open up other opportunities but and not even that though because to me it's like <laughs> I just want to make one thing that is sort of a comedic like touchstone for uh, in in film comedy that, that's all that really matters to me it's just kind of having one thing that, that I think exemplifies all the work that I've done but also that will influence people and that people can turn on and turn to it's, it's almost like you know, this is not it at all but and and Jim Field Smith, the director, and basically the writer of this film, "She's Out of My League," that I was in, he, uh, you know, he sort of has done that with "She's Out of My League" because he made a perfect kind of hangover movie or a movie just to like a lazy Sunday afternoon movie because it's just consistently funny. It's really really easy to watch. You don't you can tune in at any point and you're with it and uh, and the characters are very likable and the cast is really strong and there's, not all the jokes are great but there's some really, really, really funny jokes in there and, uh, you know, just to make something like that would be really great and my aim, I don't look down on that type of film but my aim is not to do necessarily that type of film but to do a comedy that you walk out and you're kind of, you're sort of surprised by how Emotional you you felt throughout the film, but also that you're and on the way home. You're laughing instead of kind of crying and being like,
1: "What is the point of all of this?" <laughs> so is that is that what you look for in scripts? Like as an actor, when you're reading a script, are you looking for? For you know that that marriage of of funny and movies. Well,
0: I'd I'd be careful referring to me as an actor because I'm not a very good actor. I'm more of a comedian who can say words that are written in a very naturalistic way <laughs> in between doing the jokes. But um, I think as yeah as somebody who's who's going to be in movies or on a television series, um, yeah, you're always looking for that. I mean, the script for Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and the script for Extract. Um, were two of the greatest scripts that I've ever read in my life. And I've read a lot of scripts. Not as many as you. <laughs> Maybe one one thousand as many as you.
1: That's, well, that's why you look so young and happy. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. If you haven't seen, before, she's just uh, haggard. She's bent over. <laughs> she's bent over so low that she's gone round underneath her legs and is talking into the microphone over her own back. That's right, son. I mean, it's just Sing it. it really doesn't look good. <laughs> it Looks like it hurts. Um, no, no. I mean, I, I, when I and I, I read that script and I read extract and I just I couldn't believe it they were so well written they were so in the vein I mean I I, I sort of found a way through my managers to email my judge because he really liked my auditions and you know the pieces that I prepared for him but I didn't look anything like what he imagined the character would look like and he's an animator so animators sort of visually see everything because they create the people that are their characters they, they can look however they want so sometimes they have a problem understanding that in real life you can't have you know you're not doing this actor's voice and they're gonna the the the, the performance that you like may not be by somebody so i just I, I actually emailed him and said i'll change my appearance in any way you want just i just want to be a part of this film because um, i thought it was sort of a grown-up office space it's mm-hmm. kind of um, and I really, really love that, and then I think that that movie suffered a little bit from Ben Affleck feeling more like a stunt casting decision than the best possible actor for that part, and uh, and I think that, you know there, there's some other things about it, and I'm sure Mike Judge would agree with all these things. We sort of became friends after that that film, but uh, he. Um, he's he's kind of more self-critical than you would imagine just because he's such a genius Um, but you know those scripts were great Seeking Friend for the End of the World it was a great great, just an unbelievable script I mean I was crying on the plane reading the last the whole third act was something that I just was like what is happening and then for it to end in the way it did is very courageous much like Cloverfield and I always get frustrated with people criticizing those films because they at least tried to do something different. They at least are not sort of ending their studio films that don't have studio endings.
1: I, I, I it's funny because I just saw the end of the world film too, and I was also like, oh, I wish that it, this had happened at the end. And, but I think that that's that's a sign of a good movie, that it's making you think of all the possibilities for, oh, but if this happened and this happened, it didn't mean that it would have made the movie better. Mm -hmm. I think you're actually, at that point, commenting on the life of the characters or the worlds of the characters, and you're wishing for a fate for them, you know? Yeah,
0: well, you've at least become involved, and that's the real struggle um, as a writer or as a performer, is to create a character or characters that are... Sort of likable and engaging enough that you would, after the film is over, be thinking about them and what this could have been different. I, I could totally see, I wonder if there's a scene that was cut out between these two because I'd love to see that. That means you really engaged your audience, and that's usually the mark of a successful film.
1: You know, this likable thing, right? It's, it's, uh, the bane of many a writer's existence right this idea that oh your character has to be likable and then they sort of go out of their way to have them save you know kiss a baby or save a cat or whatever and it's it's more than that right what do you how do you bring some kind of level of likability to
0: a character well likability is one of those great Hollywood words that kind of doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. it's invented so that network heads and studio suits and the people who are in charge who are not creative if if there's something missing from it but they don't know how to describe it they'll say well there's a problem with the likability it doesn't have there's there's a lot of those kind of words sometimes they'll say um yeah, just stuff like this scene doesn't quite click for me. It's, it's it's sort of in that realm. And but an an anti an anti-hero can be uh likable. You know, W.C. Fields is a very likable comic character and he's despicable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he hits kids and hates in, and animals and he he hates people and he's a liar and a cheater and a coward. And um but he's still very, very likable. And so rather than going out of your way to get a character to kiss a baby or save a cat from a tree, no, not to diss on uh, save the cat, right, but it's right. not nearly as good as your writings on writing. <laughs> um, but, and, and I, so I think like, uh, you know, you should think more about, you know, the people around you. Some of them aren't the greatest people or the first thing you say about them wouldn't be that they're likable, mm-hmm. but, you obviously like them because they're your friends. So what is it about them that makes that is, and I think that the character kind of has to be redeeming in some way. And sometimes I like to play characters that are, you know, a classic comic, comic character is someone who is overconfident for no reason. And usually that's an overcompensating inspector. Clouseau is incredibly arrogant and overconfident, but it's because he doesn't know what's going on. And all he wants to do is be seen as a great detective. Um, And, you know, even my character and She's Out of My League, Stainer, which is forever go down as one of the greatest names of any character, (laughs) Uh, you know, Stainer was sort of the most abrasive and obnoxious of anybody on the screen, and he's sort of giving his best friend all the wrong advice, and all of his values are off, but... One of the reasons that movie worked and one of the reasons people really responded to my part in that film was because that all came from a place of insecurity and fear and self-doubt and all that sort of stuff. So those are redeeming qualities in even the most despicable person. And uh, likability sometimes can be vulnerability. Sometimes it can be, you know showing a certain amount of courage or moral resolution or something like that and so it, it can mean a thousand different things and you want you just want you know you want people to to feel strongly one way or another because even a, vi- a villain needs to be likable in a movie also you have to be able to, to want to watch more of that, that that character on the screen otherwise you're not going to be interested in the film so that's a really good exercise I find sometimes is I'll watch a movie and I'll say like, what, what is it that's great about this antagonist, um, you know, that may, that makes him uh, cause half the movie is going to be about, you know, that character. Right. Um, so, y- you know, and it, it can be anything. Sometimes a character is likable because they're so gleefully malicious and terrible you know i mean that's that's sort of what the joker is, is this.
1: they're doing what we wish we could do
0: yeah and or that, that they're very funny you know while they're doing it if, if a character is funny they're almost always likable since that's the most highly prized social skills humor
1: now have you ever been given the role of a character and thought "Eh, there isn't anything redeemable here there isn't anything that I'm even liking about this character and have to sort of bring something else or invent something about who they are
0: yeah um Stainer I guess I mean that original script was so awful that I almost didn't do the movie I just thought the it was just in shambles when I got it and um you know, you do your best to... I find that characters that are dumb are not very interesting, and lots of people think dumb is funny. Mm-hmm. Just because they saw Dumber and Dumber when they grew up, or because they they take someone... They, they wanna, they're they want willing to dumb down their description of characters in films that they like uh, as just being dumb. I, I don't think that really works. I, I'm much more interested in characters that are uh socially outcast or that are intelligent in a way that that doesn't really help them socially or make them feel more comfortable so in in that case i um i took stainer and i kind of gave him uh you know I, I like the idea of people that are stupid but extremely well read that's always interesting so he was that and i i'm most proud of the fact that i got a charles dickens joke in that uh in that in that movie um but, you know, so sometimes I need to do that. Um, sometimes it, it needs to be just closer to my comedic voice because I've spent so much time as a stand-up working to be, you know, somebody that people enjoy watching and laugh at, with and at, primarily at, <laughs> um, that I that I just need to sort of change the language so that it seems more like me, TJ. And... Um, and then other times you have to talk to the director, and luckily the director if She's Out of My League was fantastic, and in other movies where I've run into that problem, or TV shows, you just have to sort of discuss with the director and say, look, I don't think... that." And if you're working with someone who's a good collaborator, which I've been very fortunate that most of the people that I've worked with are, if you can make a good case for something, uh, they will let you do it, because they... It's not, I mean, some people, like the director of the show Mashup that I did on Comedy Central, they, some people only care about themselves and how they come off, and it's about their ego. Um, but m- most people in Hollywood are trying to make the best thing overall not the most well directed thing, not the most visually stunning thing. That's the great, you know, task of a movie is there's so many elements and all of them have to be good and no one so rare that one person can do all of those things at the level where you you get a movie like The Godfather um so you know it's most people are open to suggestions and i'm an improviser by trade so i started as an improviser and that's what i first started working as as a comedian and uh you know so uh, i really am i i I write a lot of lines most of the lines in cloverfield were ones that i quote unquote wrote because i'm riffing them or riving a couple in the beginning and then bringing them in and and saying hey instead of this I thought this would be funny and almost always if my line is funnier than what's on the page they're gonna they're gonna go with my line and often I come and I say my ideas, and then I and then we kind of talk about it. And even I decide now that none of my things are as funny as, as what was written. And you always want to. The best scenario for me is a, a script that's really, really funny that then I can build off of because that's like standing on the shoulders of a giant instead of kind of reaching, reaching, reaching. So just so. You know.
1: When you when you sort of you know put on your writer suit, okay, mm-hmm.
0: it's is a bathing suit, it, is it bathing suit? Yeah, so? it's a one piece bathing suit. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And the bathing cap actually is attached <laughs> to the shoulders by uh, twine, oh. and so that sort of I can put that on or I can leave it off like a twine hoodie.
1: Okay, I've got the picture in my head. Thank you.
0: So that's my writing suit. Now I'm also holding up a picture now. I'm looking at that also. <laughs> I carry it with me in my wallet and then whenever I'm talking to somebody and they show me pictures of their kids, I just show them a picture of me in a onesie baby suit. And I go, this is my child. He's a special one.
1: (laughs) Inner child.
0: Everyone says he looks more like his mother. Here's a picture of her and then it's just a picture of me with a wig on.
1: (laughs) Thanks Okay. Oh, what was I going to say? So yeah. I put on my so writer's writer's you put on your suit. little writer's bathing suit. Thank you. So was it a, was it a, a hard segue then from improv to writing, or because you've all improv sort of is this verbal writing? Was it was it an easy an easy segue? Yeah, I
0: don't know. I mean, I, I was sort of always a writer. My father is a author of like the legal books in Colorado, so he's a very very good writer because that's a very difficult mm-hmm. type of writing to make interesting or engaging. Um, and, you know, I, I always enjoyed English and did well writing papers in high school and college. And I took some classes on writing short films. And then in college, I won a uh, an award for playwriting. And I was in playwriting classes and wrote quite a few plays as I was acting in the plays and improvising in the improv group. Um, so I always was writing a little bit. And I remember... I wrote my honors thesis because I was in the honors program where I went to college, which wasn't a great college. So it's sort of like, you know, getting a gold star on a piece of shit that they <laughs> pin to your, your, your chest because you don't even have a shirt. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, at the cleaners wearing, because you've uh, been bathing wearing soap. your Baileys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh so So. Uh, you know i wrote a one man show that sort of collapsed on itself so it was sort of a parody of one man shows that was satir- it was it was satirizing the idea of someone making doing a one man show as like I, I wink wink, I'm making fun of this one man show. And so it's pretty complicated and was seems a lot like something a college student would think was brilliant. <laughs> uh but it you know, it was I, I and I still tire of this, but it, it was that kind of wink wink nudge nudge, what if I was really doing this, which is a lot of the sensibility of the, you know, younger generations. Um, and I was kind of really satirizing that by having him try and do too much of that, you know. Like at one point, I go, "So I'm now going to do a scene from a western that I wrote, and uh, I'll be playing all the parts of the 36 people in the town, and they'll all have full costumes." And so I had full costumes, and it, there's like a there's a bar fight at the end where I smash bottles over myself, and it just it kind of gets out of his control and then he's backstage and i also did a silent film as an independent study and so i showed that and and the, i kept coming out and saying the sound's not working and and that really made me upset and it you know it was i played a professor at one point and then i would go and be this student that was heckling him And that was really hard to run all the way to the back of the theater and then come down. And sometimes the response would be, really? And then I'd run back up and I'd go, yeah, really? And I'd run back down and I'd go, really? And then I'd run all the way back up. Um, So I wrote that and I remember my teacher, uh, Patty Griffin, um, who was like one of the most influential people, the most influential person um, for me as a writer for sure i remember i finished it and um you know she 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 was the one who oversaw it and graded me and i got an a um but i don't know how i wouldn't have she didn't care she was like you know because it was like an honors thesis it didn't even count for anything and uh it was just so that my mom could have something to talk about for them you know that year and um uh, I remember the sort of the last meeting when when I was leaving school as a senior. Uh, she said, "You know, you're really funny. You're a really, 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 really funny performer, and you're you're a good actor." And I said, "Thank you." And she said, "And I hope that you keep writing because you you are a really good writer, also." And I, I don't think I'm a particularly great writer, um, you know, even now, but especially then, and. Um, She kind of said, You know, I hope you keep doing this and I hope you keep writing because you can be both. You could also be a writer. Um, You really have that potential in you. And that really stuck with me because I was thinking, Well, if she says that, then because I really, really respected her and I liked her writing. She was sort of one of those people that, you know, what she was writing was kind of there's no way for it to be commercial, even Mm -hmm. in an avant garde sense. Not that it was so weird, but that just the themes were kind of really, really, you know, bizarre, really intense. And so so I always respected her writing as well. Um, And her teaching style was great and, you know, she had a great mind. So I really respected her opinion and that was the thing that sort of drove me to say, okay, I need to keep writing. But I don't, my problem is I don't write enough because I don't really have time. I do so many... You're- Other things in the realm of comedy, and actually, this is the year that I'm I'm starting to just tour like once a month so that I can stay home and and write more. But I I still write. I mean, we wrote a a pilot, and I have a digital series called RVC, the Lone Shopping Network, on Rides TV. Yeah, that's a great URL. <laughs> Real easy to remember. <laughs> but Rides R I D E S dot TV backslash RVC like QVC but worse Um, and uh, so I you know I wrote a couple of those episodes and that was challenging because it was sort of a quarter hour format that was shrunk down even more and it was a fusion between narrative and sketch which is kind of a thing that my producing partner and I have been toying with Um, this guy Nick Vaderot, who's a brilliant comedian Um, so we had to sort of find because I've written sketch for years also I was at Second City and So I've, I've sort of learned how to write a lot of different types of things, but I, you know, I wrote that and then I wrote a short film that I produced called Blood Puzzle, which didn't get into Sundance, but, um, still ended up being pretty funny. And the script for that, that was one of the first things where the script I was incredibly proud of, and then the final product, not as much, and that that was actually a really good lesson it was it was an $8,000 lesson uh, but it was uh, I think it was a really good lesson for me
1: well where do you, where do you think it departed from script to, to production
0: well I just think that um, you know I don't think we had the time and that wasn't just a money thing it was, you know usually the reason you don't have enough time is because you don't have more money um, but sometimes you can have too much money and th- and that can create a problem because you have too much time and you don't make any real decisions but you know it's it's very complicated it's like we didn't have enough time with the other actor Ethan Supley and I think that I imagined that certain things were easier or you could get done cheaper than I should have and um, you know I think also it's, it's, it's sort of, it was a satire of the you know sort of a parody or a satire of uh uh the saw franchise it's these two guys they wake up they're chained together one has a, a left-handed scissors taped to his um uh left leg and the other guy has a left-handed knife taped to his right leg and one of the jokes is what is a left-handed knife <laughs> and then and then that scene my character goes yeah and i'm left-handed <laughs> um uh, which is like a twofold joke because it doesn't matter that he's left-handed because it's a knife. Anyway, the point is is that uh, the script was terrible. That was the biggest problem, <laughs> no. uh, you know. And I think that I I didn't understand how hard it was to make Saw. I mean, there's a reason that that franchise is so successful, and that um, the first one was just two guys in a room. And you know, there needs to be a certain amount of camera movement, if the action isn't coming from the actors, then you know, it needs to come visually from somewhere, and um, you know, we didn't We our DP dropped out last minute, we got this great DP, but she's very young and she hadn't shot a ton of stuff, and this director was new, and I'd never done uh, any narrative with him, but we'd done a lot of videos and he's hilarious, and I think has an immense amount of potential and is a great editor but you know it just it, it wasn't quite what i thought it would be and actually i feel so, uh, some of those things about rvc also i think that we were rushed in the in the writing process and then less so but still in the production process and then we had p- more time but not enough in post production and so I think the, the overall quality suffered. I think it could have been funnier. And I, But I also feel that way about my Comedy Central show, that it could have been so much funnier. Um, but I'm not one of those guys who always feels that way because I'm really pleased with Successful Alcoholics, and I think Difficult Time Killing My Parents really couldn't have been better than it was. In fact, it was better than I expected. When I saw it, I was like, wow, this is really... This is great. I'm the best. <laughs> well, uh, so and I just it, masturbated to pictures of myself. <laughs> I have a room that's just pictures of myself as the wallpaper, all in a bathing suit. Yeah, yeah. And I masturbated on one of those spinning pedestal that's, things.
1: That's nice that you're sharing so much. I really well, appreciate it. Well, you know,
0: writing is about bearing yourself yes, and being it is. vulnerable.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, so in writing short film, because there are there. Are, People who are listening who do short films and they all sort of have a, a reason for doing it. So, are you learning on these short films? Because you said, "Well, I learned this and and this came out better." Oh yeah, is, is that why you're doing it?
0: Yeah, I, I would say anybody if they have the resources or the time should make uh, at least a couple of short films before they try and make a feature. And um, it's good to write something and 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 produce it to actually execute it because you can spend you know years on a script. And you'll be rewriting it and rewriting it. And if you had just made it, then your next script, you you wouldn't be making the same mistakes over and over in your rewrites.
1: So in a way, like the next script is your rewrite. You go, all right, that yeah, was, Yeah. did that, there was an imperfect, yeah. but and, I. But the I'm, next one's not going to do that.
0: Right. Well, and I'm, uh, yeah, so definitely I learned stuff on those short films. And I, I, I like short films. I'd like to always do short films because I think some stories don't need to be an hour and a half, I think. So you know, successful alcoholics is like a 22 minute story, and difficult times with my parents is a 16 minute story, and then I've made other short films that are two minute long stories, and so I think, and we always talk about this uh, in comedy, which is that the material should fit the medium and vice versa. So if a joke is certain things that are funny work better as a stand-up because since I do all of these things, some work for me better as a stand-up bit, some work better as a sketch in a, in a TV show or in a sketch comedy performance and some uh, work would be better as a feature film and some would make a great play and you, you really have to sort of choose the medium to give the best context and, and the best presentation of the, the comic idea. So that's certainly why I think short films are not just like practice to do features. The only reason that people make features all the time is because short films right now aren't very commercially um, viable. It's like you can't, it's hard to make money off of a short film. But I think that's changing too. I think there's got to be a point when you can go on iTunes or... You know Vimeo or wherever, and rent a sh- short film, or they'll put short films on Netflix, and you know we're gonna get to that point because short films are also very inexpensive to make. So you could make a great, great short film for twenty or thirty thousand dollars, and um, if you know it got 100,000 downloads at $1.99 piece. you're making real money there.
1: and, and are Even people, if you're
0: cutting a third of that for iTunes or whatever.
1: Are people now seeing, I would imagine for you as somebody who might otherwise be pigeonholed as, oh, TJ Mill here, he's so funny in those kind of roles in those kind of movies. And here you are going, but I'm in this kind of movie and I'm making this product and this is my vision. And it, it sort of allows people to see that you... Can write, you can produce, um, and give you those opportunities as well. So, do you think you might be maybe directing a feature? And yeah,
0: you yeah, know, it's interesting. I don't, I don't really like drama, uh, even though I've actually been in some dramatic films like Unstoppable. Um, but I, I'm not really interested in dramatic acting, and I used to think that I would have to direct. It was like this thing in my mind where I was like, well. You know, if you really want to be positive that at every step of the way it's getting done the right way, then you have to be the director, of course. And I just, now I, I really look at a director's life and I, it's not enviable. You know, it's just, it's so grueling. And you devote, you know, a year or more of your life to this project and then so much of it is out of your control and... um and i also think it's really valuable if you have a director that you trust they can make you much better than you can make yourself so i would my my main Goal and film would be, or at least if I had my druthers, let's say, not my goal, but if I had my druthers, or um, which are the Smothers Brothers, um, <laughs> I would uh, do a biopic on the Smothers Brothers, where I wrote it and acted in it, and then I had a director that I really trusted, because you know I, I really do. I'm not the greatest actor. I'm 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 a pretty pretty great comedian only because I've done it more than most anybody else that is working in comedy. I just perform, you know, for the first five years coming up, I perform seven nights a week, usually more than once or twice a night. And then I took improv classes uh, on Saturdays and Sundays during the day. And then at lunch, when I was at work, I would write and you know, so I just was living and breathing comedy for the last ten years. But I think
1: I think you're selling yourself short. I, I mean this may sound like I'm kissing up, but I think you're an awesome actor. Ugh, I don't yeah, think, what
0: a sycophant. I,
1: but also it's disgusting. Yeah, because you know it doesn't I
0: didn't come in here for this.
1: <laughs> there's some people there's some people who can tell a joke and some people who can sort of live live a character. And 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 you do that. Plus, weren't you is this is this Right? You were trained at the British American Drama Academy?
0: Yeah. But that's, so, ha, 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 Yeah, but that, doesn't, that, that, doesn't, mean I'm, all, that all, doesn't mean I'm good at Shakespeare. That's all
1: classical acting <laughs> yeah. stuff, dude. Yeah, but that's
0: the, most, that's the most boring of all the acting. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, I did that for comedy, actually. My mother felt that it was really important for me to be an actor, and I think one of her friends had, had a kid that went to this thing, and so she really forced me to audition for that. And this guy Floyd King in D.C., who's a great, who's one of the great classical comedians, classical Shakespearean comedians, and he became my mentor out there. But um, you know, I did that because I, I I think acting is another medium of comedy, and so I thought I should you know be proficient and have that skill set. But at the end of the program, or as they called it, the program. Uh, <laughs> Pretentious island. Uh, sorry, I messed it up. You're making out, uh, yeah, you're making
1: out right. you got you got. It. It's good because Ryan needs to have something naughty. to do. It's um, all right.
0: So, in that pretentious island, uh, you know, where everyone insists that they're English and not British, uh, you know, at the end of the program, I uh, wrote a sketch with some of the other people there now who are working in comedy. Um, making fun of the program because yeah, there was a talent show at the end, and of course, all the actors there were, you know, singing opera and doing these incredible tap ballads while they were playing the piano, and you know, would do scenes from Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman as the you know playing the female part or whatever it is, <laughs> playing all the parts as females. They would sort of do all these things, and then we were last and we went up and I played one of the teachers and it just was so easy to skewer these teachers in this program because it was so self-important and um That, of course, was received with uproarious laughter and applause because all these kids were feeling this, and you know, and we had sort of given a voice to all their frustrations. And the the really powerful thing about comedy is that I was directly making fun of these teachers who were in the audience watching us, and they can't do anything about it because if they don't laugh about it, you know, then we all can say, like, come on, you gotta have a sense of humor about yourself. I mean, it's really a powerful weapon in that way. And to just directly insult someone and say like this is how ridiculous you were, you've been being this entire time this is how we you know you can be seen and how I see you and I remember walking away from that sketch saying like yes I, the comedy is is what I want to do if that if that one performance was more fun for me than any of the things that i did and i went to friche theater Urbain and studied circus arts and was a stilt walker and was in midsummer's night dream as one of the fairies on stilts and wow. we performed it in a public park in france and i had a trench coat that was nine feet long and it, you know it was really that was a lot a lot of fun but it is doesn't even come close to a pretty good performance of stand-up, you know.
1: I you know what I, I kind of agree with you. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, well, where can people see all of your work? I mean, you've got first of all, you've got a killer
0: website. Oh god, the question should be how can they how can they get away from it?
1: I, I love this uh, website. TJ Miller does not have a website. com, right?
0: Yeah, and then my Twitter is at not tj miller, but um, the way. Yeah, you can see... I'm doing this thing called Gore Burger with Funnier Die and Warner Sound right now, which is pretty weird. It's a giant blue monster that takes a Japanese morning show hostage and kills half of the staff and uses the other half <laughs> to uh, interview indie rock bands. So I'm doing that right now, and that's pretty fun. And, you know, you can see both my short... my Sundance shorts on Funnier Die. They're on there exclusively. So you got to go there. And then, you know, I mean... Yeah. You can watch TV. TV you know the, the movies that I've done are either you can rent them or you can steal them if you can find a place where they sell them physically. <laughs> when do you, when do you think, sleep?
1: Yeah. When do you sleep? You work. I sleep more all than all the time.
0: I sleep more than I I, I used to, um, but I yeah I used to sleep like. 5 or 6 hours a night and I just, you know, when I work, I work voraciously. Just like when I write because it's that that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about was that I have a very different writing style than I think you teach. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to tell you, you know, what you do, but or then I, I should say I have a different writing style than most people in general, which is that I will sit and write an entire script or, you know, of a short film or write a feature script or whatever in like two or three days I'll just sit and I will write for just hours and hours and hours
1: you're saying so as opposed to the ten minute thingy that I I exactly you're you're like a a, I call it a binge binge purge writer like somebody who like sits down and binges mm -hmm. on writing and is really lucky you yeah. know and then and that's, then that's and then awesome. i
0: return to it and purge any of the stuff that i thought was extraneous mm-hmm. or doesn't help or i thought was a good idea at the time and then i'll rewrite that but that rewrite doesn't take too long and i've always been very strong with dialogue because as an improviser I'm I'm I've been making up dialogue on the spot for you know a decade, and so um, it's pretty easy for me to to get through dialogue. I have a bigger problem with structure, and so sometimes I partner with people to help me. Kind of you know they say like, well, by this time in the script, we need to know a little bit more about you know the love interest or or whatever, and uh, or the 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 scene is too long or any of that stuff, but. Um, you know, I wrote Successful Alcoholics, I think, in like three weeks. And then I wrote, and I, I work really well on deadlines. I usually, one of my tricks to get myself to write is I will finance something, get the crew and the dates all set up. Oh, my God. And then sort of have no other choice but to create the material. Um
1: You know, I I... I, I hear you because sometimes somebody will ask me to teach a, a class and I'll be like I'm tired of teaching the same old class I'm going to teach this class mm. and then it, the date starts to come and I'm like ooh better figure out how I'm going to teach that right, Exactly. Right. but it's on, on the level you're talking about man that's scary that is scary
0: it can be scary but it's not I don't know I, I usually it can come through and you just have to figure out I used to think especially about stand up and and sketch and improv that my way was the best way to do it and I thought that was evidenced by the success that uh, I I was receiving Um, or you know that I was going through or enjoying going through success <laughs> sounds very, actually very right to a T. It's a perfect description of what it's like to be successful. <laughs> you have to go through it.
1: I wouldn't know. How about you? Ron? Um, no, he's taking, No, he, he don't, definitely
0: doesn't. You guys are both successful in a way that's much more interesting than I am. I was, I was in Yogi Bear 3D, which I think I mentioned earlier. That oh, actually that elicited laugh. someone laugh. So I'm in the type of I have the type of success that people laugh at when I <laughs> when I mention it.
1: Again, it's joy. It's joy.
0: It's joy. Uh no I mean I really but I, I think uh, that's not actually true it's different people work different ways Pete Holmes is a stand-up who I love and think is really great and he doesn't perform very often he performs a couple times a week at the most and he doesn't like going on the road And, uh, you know, he's sort of, but I do believe in that 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell thing. Um, and that's actually why I think I'm more successful than some of my peers, because I just work so much harder than them. I mean, I am, I obviously have some innate talent and cause I have a weird looking face and I can make real strange noises. Um, but you know, I just have done it more than most people, and that sort of eliminates your fear, also, because you're just sort of gone through every possible scenario. But as a writer, it's really hard because you sort of don't have the immediate feedback that you do with comedy. It's it's more like film acting or television acting because you kind of do it, and you you sort of have to trust your instinct up until the point months or a year later when you find out if that instinct was right. Um, but you know, I think you you try and find the way that is best for you, but the most important thing is to be disciplined about it. And if you're if that means you're disciplined about, you know, getting really, really drunk and then coming home at three A. M. and writing until nine A. M then you'd be disciplined about doing that and 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 then going back to that writing and shaping it and honing it if it means that you do it 10 minutes a day but you don't skip any days and that's what you have to do but my you know I'm really pretty intense about the idea of that work ethic and you're in that I personally am in the service of comedy and that people should see themselves as being in the service of the art that they've chosen to do you're not entitled to it. I mean, it's a privilege to be able to do this stuff for a living. And so why wouldn't you have to work harder than anybody else? So if you want if you actually want to be a writer... And this happens so often. You know how somebody came up to me outside of... Uh, uh, I was leaving uh, the, the Griddle, which is a very famous breakfast place in Los Angeles on Sun, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, I think it's on Sunset. But so uh, I was leaving out the back, and this guy ran over and he's like hey I work here I wasn't here but a buddy called me and said you were here and I I, I have the script and I think you'd be great for the main character and uh, here and I want you to read it and I did, the first thing I asked is I said um, how often do you write and he's like what and I was like how often do you write do you write an hour every day do you write five hours a week do you how often do you write and he's like uh, I don't know it, it varies and right there I was like um, okay. You want to work with
1: somebody who's disciplined? Well,
0: I, t- I took this I took this script, but I, as I was walking away, I was like, there's no way this is a good script. There just isn't any way. And then then as soon as I opened it up, I, my cousin does coverage for me on scripts, and he called me. I, I read the first three pages, and I was like, buddy, you've got to read the script cause it's so awful. <laughs> he was misogynistic, and the jokes were about women being fat and Mm -hmm. it was just awful um and 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 there were like grammatical errors in the first (laughs) two or three and he used the wrong punctuation he put a an exclamation mark when he should have put a question mark it's so crazy you know and that's that is so insane to me and it drives me crazy when people do that with like in emails if you're emailing me and you're saying I have this script and Jeff Foxworthy saw it and we would love you to be in it and da, da, da. and then in the email you have spelling errors or you if you say you're a writer and then you're you know you don't close your parentheses at one point then you're not a writer you just or you don't care enough about it to ever deserve either my attention or anyone's attention or any money for it and I just don't understand why people don't do that, and, and too many people will spend more energy finding ways to 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 blame other people for why they're not successful, or explain away the reasons that they haven't been successful. And if they would spend that time just writing. Then they would be successful. It's 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 like the math is so easy to me. It's so crazy. I don't understand it. And I realize that some people, you know, come from backgrounds or personality types where it's it's that's much more difficult. And it's easier said than done. But it's kind of like okay. Then if it's easier said than done, then I say you should go do something else, and or get it done. You know, it's kind of one or the other because. There are, uh, you know, in Los Angeles at any given time, there's got to be hundreds of thousands of writers or people that say that they're writers or want to be writers or whatever. So, of those people, you can't change your innate abilities, you can't change you know if you tend towards using florid language more than you should or you're not very good with dialogue or you have a tough time making three-dimensional characters or all the things that you I'm sure talk about and help people try and cultivate and become better at um you can't you don't have any control over those things some of them but you do have control over how hard you work so you can if you log more hours than the guy next to you who's just naturally a very talented writer you I mean, that's why there are successful people who aren't very talented, just because if you work that hard, you can make it happen. And so...
1: You know, I, I just looking at the, the year that you were born on your IMDb page and thinking about all the things that you've done, I think... Anybody who's listening, take this advice because this is somebody who's really, really walking the walk right now. So, thank you very much. I mean,
0: thank you so much for having me.
1: You know, after all this time of me harassing you,
0: no, and thank you for, uh, (laughs) you're so sweet. I mean, but now you know from me talking like a zealous, insane, like cult leader about work ethic that you know i wasn't sort of lazily being like oh, i'll do it next God, sunday No. but I, yeah i mean i just you know and 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 it is it's interesting because i say all this stuff and i'll go home tonight and i will be frustrated with myself that i didn't write enough stand up today or haven't spent enough time reading books on writing and so it's a constant struggle and you're never going to you're never going to feel like you have it totally figured out um, but I think you know it's 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 much more fun to at least try.
1: And you spent the day spreading spreading the good word, TJ. You, yeah. sp- you
0: spread the good word, and I spread the good word. You were
1: actually the reason I I, I caught you here is uh, you were podcasting in this studio. Yeah, I have all day. a podcast. Yeah, tell people about called it.
0: Cashing in with TJ Miller, and it's my friend Cash uh, Levy, and he has a podcast, but he can't. It's an interview show, but he. You know, I hate to say this, but he just has a lot of trouble getting guests. And so. I'm the guest every single week but it's a really really fun show and it's uh, he's just a brilliant guy and it's a lot of he's also a big Im- improvisational comedian he riffs a lot so it's, it's a lot of that it's improvising and calling back things and all that sort of stuff so that's really fun and Ryan McNeil the producer for today is also one of our producers um, yeah and follow me on Twitter and if you have any questions I do I always like you can email my website or better is to just send me a Facebook message which I check every three months, but I d- always respond to, and because um, I'm always interested in, in talking to people. But don't ever give me a script if you're If you ever meet me, don't ever give me a script or ask me to see your script unless you can tell me exactly how much you write every single week. Excellent advice. Thank you, TJ. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Hello. I'll just call you Ryan. I'm just going to leave the last name off of it. And I'll just call you McMan and
1: And uh, and everybody out there, remember to go to onthepage.tv to see what's happening uh, here at the studio in Sherman Oaks. There is a first draft class that it will be happening. Whether you write ten minutes at a time or whether you're a binge Burge writer this is the class for you
0: well and I was actually going to ask I, I, I would like to take your class sometime I w- so I got to figure out a time to come in and do that I would love that I would love that. that's another thing people always can't believe this but like I still will take an acting class or I'll go get acting coaching and lots of people are like why you're a working actor and I was like that's why I'm a working actor <laughs> because I'm open to doing that
1: well I would love it so yeah we'll, we'll talk off mic i yeah, tell All right, and and everybody, uh, check it out. It's the first draft class. It starts in January, goes to mid February, and uh, again on thepage.tv or the on the page Facebook page. Thank you, Ryan. No problem. Thank you, TJ. Thank you. And everybody out there, have a good writing week.